Hello, everybody, and welcome in to the 8 o'clock hour of the Great Scott Show on a Tuesday. That means one thing. My friend, Jay Walker, in the house. Yo. Good morning. Hi. For those listening, you hear the DraftKings spot. You hear me talk about DraftKings. It is the fantasy app, the DraftKings fantasy app you want to download and put in code 1420, giving away million-dollar prize. Draft your team. Stay below the cap. See how you do. Speaking of fantasy, Jay, are you are you in a fantasy league this year? No. This, you're not, you, you pulled out of the league that has the yep. illustrious trophy that you've had a few times? Yep. What is the last place trophy? It's the Baldwin. Alec? Steven? Jerry. Daniel? Willie? Jerry. <laughs> I remember seeing that thing on your desk once or twice. One, one or two times over the last 16 years. Yeah, which you, uh, but what you failed to mention is you also saw the championship trophy there three or four times. Hey, you know what? You have some good years and bad years. That's, that's exactly how, that's right. how it goes at fantasy. You know, there was one year playing fantasy football that my top three picks were all out for the year with injury. Oh, yeah. I Those did. are the worst. Oh no, no, no! It was not. Those it was are not the worst. Fun. And then it you're was like, not fun. you're like, I need, I need, I have to pay attention. It would, I for the integrity of the league, I still right. need to put in my lineup. Exactly. I can't, I can't jeopardize everyone else. But, boy, this just isn't fun right now. On the flip side, when you have one of those magical years, man, there's, there's nothing like it. Oh no, you, you know, you start looking at things on Monday, and then on Tuesday you check this, and you make, and then, you know, by, then you make your decision on what you're going to do, and then. You sit there and second guess it about three times, and then you know it. Um, yeah, the old Baldwin. So he is a former coach of the Cajuns. Billy Napier, current coach of the Cajuns. I talked to him yesterday at Air Terrestrially just a little while ago. Um, let's start with college football, Jay. I mean, we got to start yeah. with the Cajuns, then we'll get to the Tigers, then we'll kind of take a look at the rest of college football as a whole. Um, aside from third downs, which was in my opinion, and I think anyone who watched the game, the biggest key to the game. What was your biggest takeaway aside from that being there? I said that there were three things they had to do to have a chance to win, and they did none of them. They did not win the turnover battle. They were minus one. I thought they needed to be plus two. They gave up double-digit plays of 15 yards or more, and that was right there with, you know, that's that's why – third down was so big because they couldn't get off the field on third down. They gave up too many plays, too many big plays. And they lost a kicking game. You know, they had, they had one return for a touchdown that was called back. They had a kickoff go out of bounds. They had an extra point that got blocked. So they didn't do any of the three things I thought they had to do to have a chance to win. Third down was big. Two things, third down missed tackles and the missed tackles of course had everything to do with all the big plays that, Mm-hmm. Texas had in the game. Um, I said last week, Texas has better players. And so there are things you got to do to combat that, and they weren't able to do any of them. To quote Billy Napier, uh, when you play a really good team, the margin of error is small. Very small. I mean, you can't really be more succinct than that. And listen, they were – for betting purposes, an eight-point dog by the time that thing kicked off. Um, certainly not surprised the Cajuns lost. They weren't expected to win. 
I know they expect it to win. Sure. But just, uh, you know, looking at it from the outside, I could understand the frustration from some fans that thought, you know what, thought it would be closer, thought they'd play a little bit better. And, you know, the third downs to me, it, it it's really what led to so many of the other things sure. that, that unfolded. You get off the field, now your play discrepancy isn't lopsided. Now your defense is as gas. Now the missed tackles, especially in the second half, is prevalent. Um it's a closer game. Your offense, you know, and and their offense for that matter is a little. You're you're dictating terms a little bit. More. All of those things, especially in a game where there is no turnovers, there is no sort of huge momentum game changing plays. But the third downs for Texas and Hudson Card was. I mean, the kid was good. Like I I I, I talk so much about Bijan Robinson, and he's awesome, and he and he ran well. But it was the quarterback that I think. I was I, I didn't really have an expectation for the Texas quarterback, but even though I didn't have one, he surpassed the one no, I didn't he, have. He, uh, yeah, he's going to be a very good football player for him. Uh, the Cajuns were able to rattle him a few times, especially early in the game. But um, you know, once he settled down, once once the game slowed down for him a little bit, he was he was really good. Now, something that of course both teams had to contend with. So I'm not suggesting this had anything to do with winning or losing the game. It's just to just to put things in perspective. It was a hundred degrees. Okay. Brand new turf at Darrell K. Royal Texas Memorial Stadium. At one time the temperature on the field was 131 degrees. Now when you say on the field, it's literally the field, like literally the actual turf. Yep. 131 degrees. It's not like 131 degrees is uh, no, that's super hot. I just, I just, for, sometimes people hear that and they're like, "Oh my god!" So that's how hot it was inside the helmet of a player. No, that's how hot no. the actual ground. No, was. it's a, yeah, it's that's how hot your feet were. Yeah, <laughs> you get tackled and you're all you're, you got a bare arm on it. That 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 burns. Uh, yeah, just a little bit. That's hot. Yeah, 131 degrees. Um, you know, I remember when when the turf was first installed at at Teagmore Field. Okay, because, you know, you don't get, or I didn't get, a whole lot of opportunities to walk on a football field with turf because I'm, I'm up in the press box. But you go down to, uh, to talk to Tony before and after the game. And, look, you're, you're standing there, and I'm in my tennis shoes, and I'm going, God, I hope, I, don't, I hope they don't melt because the heat was coming right through when that turf is brand new. I mean, it gets really, really hot. When Cajun Field first put in a turf, back when Bustle was still the coach, was that the season where they they ended up having to move some kickoffs because now they, now but it wasn't a turf thing; it was actual fans that were like they they had more they had multiple fans you, over the course of a few weeks passing talk, out in the stands. Talk to Gerald Broussard. Okay, this was it was the second week of the season, and it was it was a television thing. And so they kicked off at two thirty in the afternoon, yeah, or one o'clock in the afternoon, this was something like, like 07, that. Seven oh eight or something against against Arkansas State, and the Cajuns won that game. And um, but yes, there were there were people in the stands that were passing out that day, and talked to Gerald Broussard. He thought Ricky Bussell was going to die that day, literally thought he was going to die. G was on the staff back then. Right. For those that don't know. And, you know, they go in at halftime. They they take showers and stuff. They change clothes. They come back out. 
it was, and then they were scheduled to do it again the following yeah, week against kickoff against fans, Middle Tennessee. Fans were upset, and 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 it was like they were they're scheduled to do it again. And Wright Waters, where's Wright Waters? He was the commissioner at the time. David Walker was the athletic director, and um, he called him and he said, "We're not playing at that time." So we're not playing. So what do you mean you're not playing? You got it. You got you got the the, the TV blah blah. He said, we're not playing. <laughs> People he said, almost died. <laughs> he said. He said. And he said. And of course, David, rest in peace, was was a guy who didn't mince words, and he used very colorful language at times. And he said to the commissioner, "Bleepity bleepity bleepity bleep. We're not playing at that time. We're going to play at six thirty, and." You know, and he said, well, you're going to have to call Middle Tennessee and you're going to have to compensate them and you're going to have to. He said, don't worry about me in Middle Tennessee. Chris and I will work this out. So he called Chris Massaro at Middle Tennessee and he said, dude, we can't play. Uh, how much extra is this going to cost you? And Chris said, I'm just glad we're not playing at that time. Don't worry. Move the flight back and there you go. Yeah, get a later, get a later check out at the hotel. I mean, it's, you know. Better than dying. Yeah. I, I remember, like, you taking calls back then, and um, it was just, you know, some fans were upset, and you were, you were like, listen, there's, like, people people almost, like, they had to take three people out of the stands on a stretcher. I remember being oh, like, oh, we're giving up home field advantage by not playing it. In the heat, right? Yeah. Yeah, that was it. That yeah. was it. Oh, yeah. It'll, <laughs> like that's what it was. I couldn't remember what the complaint was, but no, that oh, no, was, it was it. oh yeah, you know. I mean, they're coming down from Tennessee. Now, they're they, gonna. They also didn't know that Ricky, Ricky gets hot in died. Tennessee. Well, exactly. <laughs> Poor Ricky. I just see him with his, you know, like his face just being red as a crawfish, trying to get in and out of there. That guy. Rumor has it. Rumor has it. Ooh, great song. Rumor has rumor has it that Ricky would he I I am I am knock on wood. I'm very glad to say I've never had to pass a kidney stone. Right. I hear it is extremely painful. It's very painful, and uh, your old buddy Kevin Foote can tell you all about it because he gets them all the time. My brother in law gets them at times, and and I've seen I've witnessed it before. And this is a pretty active guy, and it's it I mean brings him to his knees just like yeah. done. Ricky had to deal with that, and sometimes it would just hit him in practice, and this, you know, they couldn't believe that he would somehow mask the pain enough to where they're like, I guess he's uncomfortable, but wouldn't tell him, would pass, and then like go out and just finish practice. I'm like, good lord, that man's pain threshold must have been, must have been extreme. Love Ricky. Twelve after the hour, ESPN fourteen twenty and dot com. You know what Ricky Bustle did? He gave the Cajuns their, and their fans their pride back because they didn't have any when he got there. Now, worst D one team in America when he got there. He he, you know, he only had one winning season, and and that was the year that they shared the Sun Belt Conference championship. And then they had the six and six team in two thousand eight that should have been in a bowl game, but um, flipped out, and and that didn't happen, but. He gave he gave this program its pride back, and I'll always be grateful to him for that. 
No, R- Ricky. Ricky was Ricky was always classy. Mm-hmm. Ricky took a lot of heat, no pun intended, um, and always did what was asked of him. Always went out. Always tried to sell the program. And when you consider what he took over, God bless Ricky. Uh, ESPN fourteen twenty. Anything else you want to add about Saturday's game? I know we're a few days out at this point. No, it, it's it's. That's Texas! Um, no, I mean, look, Texas has got a good football team. I don't know if they're going to win the Big 12. I, I, I don't know. Time will tell. But but they're a good football team. They've got good players. Uh, and and the Cajuns did not play well enough to win. I mean, I, it's not, you know. All right, we're going to take one phone call, then we're going to move on to LSU and then hit on the rest of college football. Welcome into the Great Sky Show. Good morning. Hello. Hey, guys, how are you all doing this morning? Fine. Great. Guys, the gentleman that's with you right there, that's Mr. Jay Walker, correct? The one and only. Okay, great. Well, I want to share some things with you guys, and we'll, for as long as it goes. Guys, I'm going to talk football. I'm going straight into it. Okay. If you all have not been hearing about UL and Texas game from this Saturday, and about LSU and UCLA's game this Saturday. I hope that you and Jay were able to watch both games, and especially every second of both games, not, and not including the commercials. With that said, you two people, especially you, Jay, you understand this game called football, and the gentleman with you, too. I do, too, and a lot of others of us do, too. With that said, it amazes me when people that I truly believe don't understand the game of football, and probably the majority of them have never even played. And I'm a player. I'm a former player. But make a long story short, it doesn't matter whether you played or not. It's just an understanding of football. Here's my point. To make... To make uh, to, to, to say the things that I've been hearing that people are saying about how the game went with UL in Texas, and to have the audacity to even begin to judge Coach Napier's coaching ability, let alone his staff, let alone how the game went itself, and the uh, I call it, like everybody does, the armchair quarterbacking about how the game went. And then throw LSU's game, and then you talk to them, and then they all, it's almost a comparison. They said if you look at both games, they say LSU and UL's performance against these two teams in their states were about the same. And when you think about what they're saying about LSU, they're calling Coach Ogeron's situation deplorable and such horrendousness that some of them even called for Coach O's job. And and then you throw in Billy Napier, and they do Nate the same way with his staff that say that they can't coach on the fly. They can't make adjustment during the game. Okay, all right. So, so I, I think... And I'm just saying that, so I want, I think you, I want I think you, you to talk about this. Okay, all right, I will. I will, I will, I will. Thank you. Um, 
first of all, I haven't heard anybody question whether Billy Napier can coach or not. I don't know. He's 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 been running. Yeah, that I mean, too. listen, fans are fans, so I'm sure, sure you can hear it somewhere. But now, I haven't heard that now. Either. I um now I'm going to say this, and and I said this. We we talked about this last week. The biggest week to overreact to a football game is the first game of the season. And it's always that way. You know, if the if the Cajuns had beaten Texas, fans here would be talking about the college football. Texas fans would have been talking about what a bad hire they made with mm-hmm. Sarkeesian. Mm-hmm. Had LA defeated UCLA, Tiger fans would be saying, okay, last year was an aberration. We're back. Polini's gone. All is right yeah, in the oh, world. Th- exactly. They got okay. some young offensive guru coordinators again. But it was said in the national media all week long, if LSU lost that game, that people would start screaming for Ed Ogeron's head because they didn't have a good year last year. We agreed last week, not that he should be fired if they lost, but that his seat would be Hot. His seat, his seat is warmed up, and you know, look, there, patience is something that just doesn't exist with fans. And if you remember, Gene Chizik won a national championship with Auburn, and, and two years later he was gone. Well, the next year he went eight and five, mm-hmm. and the year after that he went three and nine, and and that was it. That that was all she wrote. Now I did not see a second of the LSU game because I was flying back. By the time we landed and I got in the car, I turned on the radio, and I'll tell you exactly what Chris Blair said. It was, okay, he got the crowd noise, and he says, this could be the dagger right here. Three seconds. This could be the dagger right here. And I said, oh, to get an ass kicked. And, and I mean, I could just tell in his voice. And at the time, it was like 38 to 20. Um the tech, the the technique was was very poor across the board. Well, I you know, Bo Pelini was not the only problem. He may have been one of them, but he wasn't the only problem. And boy. because LSU was poor defensively again. Yeah, you talk about overreaction. I think last year there was an overreaction to Mississippi State. Sure, it turned out they weren't that great. Yeah, right. Now the reason that I was I was wrong. The reason I thought LSU would win and cover against UCLA actually wasn't because of LSU. I just have not been sold on Ship Kelly since his Oregon days. And I'm like, look, usually I hadn't been good the last few years. I don't I just don't think they're they're not going LSU's not going to play Oregon. Um I and I I agreed with you that I thought they would win and cover. Um but they just they everything felt for LSU, everything felt like this grind, like Every inch. I mean, Max Johnson was under pressure the whole time. Um, they, there's no doubt they struggled to run the ball. But, I mean, it, you would have thought Greg Williams was the defensive coordinator at UCLA. I mean, they just they were sending multiple guys a lot. They were blitzing seven, eight well, guys. You, and, you, you, and, got, you, know. you got a guy in the backfield who wasn't supposed to start, okay, the, the running back. And then you got a quarterback who's young. Well, you know, gee, Make me the de- defensive coordinator. I can figure out we're gonna get after him. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna rush a lot of people. We're gonna we're gonna do that, and and we're gonna trust our secondary that we're gonna put him on an island and trust him to do well. And then Keishon Butte burned him a couple times. Um, no, he was great. He was great. But I 
but I don't know that they have another real weapon like that. Uh, and 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 LSU from again, I I watched a few highlights here and there, but their linebackers were poor on on Saturday, um, and they're going to have to be better Cross. now. Are, are we going to sit here and say, okay, Ed Ogeron's got to go? I'm, I'm certainly not going to do that. And they're going to have a couple gimmies the next two weeks against McNeese and Directional Michigan. And then uh, and then they're going to have Mississippi State, who, um, who had to come back from the dead to take a one-point win over Louisiana Tech. Now, if they don't win that game, yeah, that's not going to be good. No. But I think they will. So, you know, I, I think the schedule lines up pretty well for LSU the next few weeks. And and I think that some of that heat's going to, you know, at least diminish a little bit. Now, you know, again, I, I don't I, – I, I haven't I, heard anybody question the Cajun coaching no. staff's ability to coach. I no, they, they've, they, they, I've seen some people be critical of the team for some aspects of the <laughs> game. I haven't seen anyone suggest like they don't know what they're doing. No, no. Um, they, look, they just didn't do it very well. Here, here's the thing about LSU. I, I thought they'd go 9-3 and because I figured they'd go 5-3 and three in conference. Well, if they do that now, that's 8-4. and four. And for some, okay, maybe it gets you another year at LSU, mm-hmm. but, you, but that's it. Then you really have now, if you don't get to 8 and let's say you lose the Mississippi State, and then maybe things start tumbling downward. It's we don't know how good UCLA is. That's part of it. Now, if they go on to have this amazing season, maybe you look back at it and say, hey, "You're breaking into new coordinators." Turns out Chip Kelly finally did turn it around there. We just don't know. No, we don't. Like we're going to learn a lot more. But to say that the seat isn't warm, I think would be no, no. The seat's warm. Would be seat's um, warm. Would be denied. I mean, UCLA just. I mean, to put it in like. Very layman's terms, they just beat them in all aspects of the game. Yeah, one of the problems is, you know, here in the Deep South where we know everything when it comes to football. Huh? And, and you know, it's it's like, okay, if you talk hierarchy of football, it's the best teams in the NFL, then it's the SEC, and then it's the second part of the National Football League and, and the minds of so many people around here. The Pac-12, we've been laughing at the Pac-12 for a long time now. And so you lost to a team from the Pac-12. It's like a bunch of sissies beach. And and look, Ogeron, hey, hey, hey your sissy, sissy blue shirt. Yeah, well, you know, well, guess what? The sissies just kicked your ass, okay? And but that's but that's the that game. It's you don't lose to the Pac-12. Of course, the Pac-12 favorite lost to Montana was the biggest. Uh, I tweeted it. My the big my biggest shock from week one of college football was Washington losing to Montana. Jay, I I got it. I mean, I I got it. I got to own it. I mean, I thought Washington was getting to the playoff this year. I mean, good lord! They're, um, Talk about a bad take. They oh, lost to Montana. Now Montana's a top ten FCS team, but this isn't Vanderbilt. No. Who also lost to an FCS team badly? By People the way, people are like, "Yo, you're not more shocked by that?" I'm like, "No, because Vanderbilt's not good." I actually thought Washington was—I mean, they were ranked, but I thought like the way their schedule set up, the way that you know, in terms of who they had to play in conference, I'm like, "Man, they—they're gonna make a run here." Phil Steele, can we agree that he's 
pretty good at, at yeah, predicting it. Not bad. He thought Washington was going to be the biggest surprise team in college football this well, year. Well, he's right, because well, that was a hell of a surprise. He just thought for a different they, reason. They um, There were a few games that were played Saturday that, you know, things that make you go, hmm. Now, I think there were six um, FBS teams that lost to FCS schools. You know, uh, Colorado State lost to a, uh, an FCS school. Washington lost to an FCS school. McNeese lost to a Division II school. Um, They've got, yeah. Well, but they got issues. I mean, it, and, 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 and it's not their fault. Okay. It's not their fault. Uh, they, they've had to deal with stuff that nobody should have Iowa to deal State with. Iowa State narrowly escaped. But you know what, what game made me sit up and go, uh-huh? What's that? UTSA never trailed in that game against Illinois after Illinois had beaten Nebraska. Roadrunner. UTSA never trailed in that game. And we saw them in the bowl game, and it was like they, had everybody, they got everybody back. And I said last year after the bowl game, this team, this program is getting ready to own Conference USA. I, I said that on the way home after the game. Me, me. And um, that was, that's an impressive win. Okay, they go on the road. They beat a Big Ten team who had just beaten Nebraska, and they never trailed in the game. That was maybe the most impressive thing I saw over the weekend. In the state of Louisiana, I think. Thank uh, God for Southeastern. That's the old, between every team. We're talking D one, FCS, FBS, Louisiana College. All of only one was victorious. Yeah, it was as bad a week of college football in the state of Louisiana ever. Now, Tulane and La Tech come out. I mean, they got to be disappointed, especially La Tech. I mean, you had the kick to win. But well, not only that, but you're up 35 yeah. to 14 early in the fourth quarter. But they were 31 point dogs. Tulane was a 31 and a half point dog. And Tulane, Saturday morning and lunchtime, had the hearts of America rooting for them. I mean, oh, yeah. everybody was like, Are you kidding me? This school in New Orleans and what they're dealing with and having to be. Hell, you know, half relocated? the Oklahoma fans were rooting for them. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you talk about America's team. It was. They were. It, it was. Uh, it was. It was. It was big. And they come up just short. And um, look, when they recovered the onside kick after making it a 40 to 35 of- game. Tight. Anuses in, in can Norman. You, can you imagine after butts. after the last touchdown if they'd have made the two point conversion to make it forty to thirty seven? That know. that game probably goes to overtime. Michael Pratt was just like trending because holy cow, that's one tough son bitch. <laughs> anyway, but they but they lost. I mean, the point is, it was just it was uh, it, it it was it was a rough day. ESPN fourteen twenty and dot com. Um, the ratings. How about this? You don't think people are ready for college football? Ohio State and Minnesota peaked at over 7 million viewers. One of Fox's 10 most watched games ever. That was uh, that was a Thursday game, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. ABC on Saturday, their triple header, over 5 million viewers over a three-game span on average. All three windows were up, which is the better year to compare it sure. to because last year, of course, was... We don't need to get into it. Um, Clemson, Georgia, which okay, I, it was it was a snooze fest. If you didn't know how high they were ranked, 
Um, that had 8 million viewers. I mean, second most watched game of opening weekend on ABC in the last 15 years. We don't have Fox's numbers yet for the game Saturday, UL, Texas, um, LSU, UCLA, but tell you what, ABC. And then Notre Dame, Florida State, second most watched kickoff Sunday game ever. At one point had 8.8 million, uh, and, and that game had plenty of drama. So, you know what? College football, there there is something to the fans being back, even when you're not there and you're just watching it. But last year was last year, different for a lot of reasons. If you thought, oh, well, this is going to now begin a trend of, no, no. People were ready for some football. I mean, I who knows what the NFL numbers are going to be like this week. But my guess is they're just going to be the highest rated things on television. Bucks Cowboys Thursday night. Huge numbers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know if I'm going to watch it or not. I'll be watching some football. Yeah, I may. You I'll know, be watching. I, I'm, sure, I'm sure I'll have it on, but I'm also sure that I'll be doing other stuff while it's on. If it's a good game, I'll keep it on. If not, I'll work while I watch. There you go. Tony like to say work while you wait. Well, you know, fold clothes, do dishes, do something while you're watching football. I'll probably fold clothes because goodness knows I need to wash a bunch of them. There you go. All right, ESPN1420.com. What's today? Uh, day after Monday. Up next, it's terrible. Tuesday. Tuesday. On ESPN1420.com. It is time to party. It is time to celebrate because finally the NFL is back. And DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of the NFL, has millions of reasons why you should be excited. To kick off the football season, DraftKings is giving new customers a free shot at a $1 million top prize with a total of $4 million up for grabs for this Thursday's opener. Getting in on Thursday night's single game showdown is easy. You draft six players from the season opener, stand to their salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition so head to the app now feel the nfl action like never before a free shot at a million dollar payday that's it download the DraftKings app now and do this for me guys use code 1420 that's right code 1420 this week new customers can get a free shot at a one million dollar top prize and four million dollars in total prizes enter code 1420 to get a free shot at the one million dollar top prize with your first deposit that's code 1420 only at DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of the NFL. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. Take it to the top. ESPN1420.com. For those listening on demand, you missed Terrible Tune Tuesday. Oh, we're sorry. All right, final segment, Jay. The Saints open up their season Sunday in Jacksonville against the Green Bay Packers. And there's a storm headed that way. <laughs> um, 
I've heard everything from three and fourteen to they're going to win the South, they're going to win thirteen, blah blah, blah, all this stuff. I've been on seven and ten for a while now. Sometimes I'll talk to someone that covers a team closely, and they'll leave me with a lasting impression where I might maybe go one game up. They're like, look, Jameis, I know he had the 30-interception season. All his other seasons, it was in the teens, and if it's in the teens, but he throws 30 and 5,000, I'm like, okay, if, if, if. I'm I'm worried about cornerback opposite Marshawn Lattimore. I'm worried about the tackle. I'm worried about Aaron Rodgers week one. I... When you go out and you sign Desmond Trufant, who's, you know, played six games last year, half the season, or has been on multiple teams, uh, and that's trying to find your answer at corner the week before the season starts, that's just, that's not good. This team's not going to be bad because I do think Sean Payton's good. I think Jameis will have some moments where we're wowed, both good and bad. Mm -hmm. I think the Saints have a great offensive line and a great running back. Just can't get off a 7-10. and I, I was kind of six and eleven, seven and ten a few weeks ago. But two things have happened. They've announced Jameis Winston's going to be the starting quarterback, and they've re-signed Trevor Simeon, which tells me that Taysom Hill's going to go do what Taysom Hill does. That gives me a little bit more optimism. I'm going to say, drum roll, please, nine and eight. Ooh. Okay, winning re- nine and eight with seven teams in the NFC will probably get you in. It might ten and seven certainly oh, will. Oh, dude, but I don't think you, I, you, I don't you think me ten and seven. Do. Where do I sign? Boy, no kidding. I'll do it. And, and I think I think it's really that the beginning of the season they kind of have to get through it. But listen, being away, you could try to spin it as a positive, and oh well, he's Sean Payton's got them all together, and they're all in one place. They're away from home for. Over a month, they're having to play a home game. It, th- th- those are not positives. Those are just more challenges to an already challenging season where they're going to be dealing with transition. Um, they're not going to be bad, but I hope I'm wrong. I, I hope it is flipped. I'd, 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 I'd take it in a second, but it's going to be it's going to be tough, man. Too many. It's one thing. It's not just one thing. It's sort of the culmination of losing as much as they did and everything else you're dealing with. And I haven't really been able to get off of seven and 10. Although I talked to Nick Underhill last week and he covers his team as close as anyone. And he's kind of feeling 10 and seven. Thinks the second half of the season is really where they're going to make a big push. Anyway, it's football, Jay. Isn't it great to talk about football? It is. We're going to have great weather this weekend for the home opener for the Cajuns. Six o'clock against Nichols State. Yep. Um, last thing, Fox made a big push this weekend on multiple platforms to tell the Heisman Committee, give Reggie Bush's Heisman Trophy back. Think he'll ever get it back? No. Never? Well, well, I'll, I'll tell you what. He'll get it back before OJ gets his back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd agree with you there. Just made me think of it. I saw a lot of the sarcastic. Boy, now that players are getting compensated, it's too bad college football was terrible this weekend. Wink, wink. Um, made me think of Reggie a little bit, and maybe one day, the way things are going, he will get that thing back. I'll never forget how good he was in college, Jay. He was good. <laughs> Just absolutely unreal. 
All right, that's going to do it for the Great Scott Show. Tomorrow on the show, Pierre Thomas. Remember him? Yeah. Saints Hall of Famer in the Saints Hall of Fame. All-time fan favorite. What's he up to now? We're going to catch up with Pierre. He doesn't do many interviews, but when he comes on this show, he pretty much just puts it all on the table. That will air tomorrow. And uh, working on a few other guests as well. Jay, it's always great seeing you, my friend. Let's do it again next week. Sounds good. Greenies next. It's ESPN 1420. He started counting lifts when pain comes on. Pump it up, don't bring it down. He made a trip to the United States. First time born American shades. A hardworking man was only 19 when he became a steel machine. In the gold's gym of Venice Beach. Pump it up, don't bring it down. I'll be back. Terminator Superstar, they call you Conan the Barbar. Pumping iron steel machine, living legend, evergreen. Governator, Mr. Universe, Olympia. American Idol, worldwide played. Hollywood's calling and he got paid. Higher than the Empire State, a rising star, and there he said, I'm Hercules in Manhattan downtown. Pump it up, don't bring it down. Hey, I'm Arnold Schwarzenegger, listen carefully. Dig deep down and ask yourself, who do you want to be? Not what, but who, if you believe success will come to you. Work like hell, trust yourself, and all your dreams come true. Break some rules, not the law, don't be afraid to fail. You have to think outside the box, I say no pain, no gain. I don't wanna hear it can't be done, give always something back. My name is Arnold Schwarzenegger, I'll be back. You're hurting me!